0: Hi, Iffi. Welcome to the Overcoming Your Story podcast. Hi, Miriam. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. I've been waiting for us to have this conversation. Um, so today we're going to talk about your story and how you came to do the work that you do, because you do very interesting work with Black women and uh, for the community in raising awareness on emotions and uh knowing how to manage emotions, relationships. So I really love what you do. And I think your voice is very important as this podcast is geared towards Black women, how to connect to themselves and um, unleash their power and uh, um, step out of their limiting beliefs. So to start with, how did you grow up? And uh, yeah, let's start with that.
1: Okay. Okay. So I grew up in Nigeria. I was born in the UK and at some point my parents moved us back. My dad was very passionate about us having an African upbringing. I didn't really understand it at the time, but when I got older, I did. He he experienced a lot of racism because he moved to the UK when he was a teenager. He studied, he worked here, met my mom, got married and had myself and my twin brother here. But at the time, there weren't a lot of Black people, um, very, very different to how cosmopolitan the UK is right now. In fact, it was so much um, of racism that he experienced that he refused for us to have any English names. Um, But most of the Christians, Nigerian Christians, who are from the eastern part of Nigeria, where I'm from, always have a Christian name um, as part of their baptism and confirmation in church and my dad was like he just rebelled against it because he experienced um quite a lot of racism so yeah my formative years were in Kano state in Nigeria which is in the north um and it was it was quite interesting living there because it was a predominantly Muslim state so I have memories of my childhood of us running away from the state to another state for shelter because there were times when um, there were riots between the muslims and christians and people were being killed oh,
0: wow. um
1: so that was yeah that was quite traumatic mm. um and um quite it, it was quite reflective to to understand how people just get killed just because of their faith mm. um so yeah so that was interesting i went to i went to secondary school in the north as well by some of my greatest memories are uh, of being raised in the North and having friends who are Muslim, but are pretty amazing people. So it's such a contradiction to what you see in the media where, you know, Muslims are made to look like thero- terrorists, but not all of them are like that because our some of our closest family friends um, were Muslim. So, so, yeah, so that was my childhood. It was, it was, it was quite interesting. Like I felt very, very sheltered and very protected by my parents, um, very loved. Um, yeah, do, was, do you have siblings? Siblings, yeah. I have a twin brother, then I have a younger sister and a younger brother, so there was four of us, even though we grew up in the same house. I guess our experiences of growing up were very different, which I think is normal. Um, my parents were quite strict, but and, and I had. I think for me, one of the most—I want to—I don't want to say traumatic, probably dramatic um, moments in my childhood is constantly being talked to by my dad. He could, if you did something naughty, he could stand you there for hours on end just talking about what you did and asking you to reflect and then he'll bring up all this own of his own stories about his childhood (laughs) so but it was my siblings and I hated it because if you got into trouble you knew and you have to stand there like sometimes you'll be standing there for like an hour maybe even two (laughs) while he's talking (laughs) my dad wasn't he wasn't he wasn't the kind that would hit you or anything like that but sometimes my siblings and I were like whereas my mom is the kind that reflects whatever she had she had a shoe she had a slippers anyone who grew up african now people call yeah. it child abuse but anyone who grew, grew up african can relate like anything that was next to her she was going to hit you with that thing but my dad was not like that he would talk to you yeah so sometimes my siblings and I were like we actually preferred to just just hit me and let it be done <laughs> Than to stand there and just have to listen to this talk, and you have to pay attention because he's going to ask you stuff. Like you can't. It's not one of those kind of talks where you can switch off and, yeah, and go and into just... another space. <laughs> so yeah, but other than that, it was it was quite an interesting um childhood. Um yeah, but I'll say I'll say my memories of growing up is feeling very very sheltered, very protected, and very loved, but. Not, I think it was so much to the point that I realized now that I didn't really have a mind of my own in the mm-hmm. terms of I grew up in the typical African background where you were either a doctor or a lawyer mm-hmm. or an accountant. Yeah. So my dad's expectations of me was that you were going to be a doctor. I remember recently my daughter asking me what I wanted to be when I grew up and I actually didn't have anything because from as early as I can mm-hmm. remember, my dad had just always said, you are going to be a doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what it, what it meant was I didn't have this any space. ambitions or any thoughts of what do I like or what am I good at or what could I possibly be when I grow up? Um, it was only when I got to secondary school that I realized that as much as I was quite smart, and that's the thing, like, I think what they do is the child that's really smart and really focused on their work, they just say to you, you're going to be a doctor, as much as I was smart, as soon as I got to senior secondary school and found myself in the sciences, I knew that I wasn't supposed to be there because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand chemistry. I didn't understand physics. I didn't understand maths. And you needed all those things. And when I want to say I didn't understand it. Like I wasn't that quick to get yeah, it. I would admitting. do enough to pass the exams, but you needed all those things to be
0: a doctor. And so, yeah, I think for you, me, that was the where did you of feel? My- of what my did you struggles sh- as a child, oh. and how old were you then?
1: I was, I think, I was thirteen.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I must have been thirteen. So you realized that there's this career path they wanted for you, but in you, you didn't, you didn't have that. You, it was not you actually. They didn't know yeah. who you were. Yeah, I
1: would have loved to have been in because I'm very. Um, I I love the arts, so I would have loved to have studied maybe law or or sociology or psychology, something else. Not definitely not medicine. Definitely nothing to do with core intense science. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. So so that was so, that was so quite with regards to me. your your father, like how did you navigate that? You just dealt with it. It just it it actually
1: on. ended up. Um, affecting my relationship with my father, like I, I don't talk about it a lot, but my dad was really proud of me as long as I was working hard, as long as I was doing really well with my studies. Cause I was like, you know how, like you have your golden child. I supposed to be, this is the child that is going to do well. And then when my, um, GCSEs were done, I didn't do that well because I really, really struggled with physics and with chemistry. And he was really disappointed in me, like thoroughly disappointed, because he was like, how did this happen? But then I don't know how it was for you or I'm sure for other people. I, I feel like you're probably similar. You didn't really have a chance to talk about these things. Like it wasn't like I could sit yeah. with him and say, you know, this path that you chose for me, it's not really the path. There was no conversation This is just who you were going to be. This is what you were going to do. And I saw my relationship with him just decline from there on. I remember going to uni and I couldn't obviously get into medicine because I didn't have the grade. So I had to do zoology or microbiology. Um, I think I actually got into microbiology and my dad didn't know that. And he eventually pushed for me to get into a course to do zoology and then change to medicine in second year if I passed my grades. And then after the fact found out that, oh, I actually got into microbiology. But that whole drama, I actually just wanted to go back and redo my exams and go into the arts. But I Mm, couldn't because it was like, this is the direction that you're going I remember being, but how I'll did never that forget make you it when feel? we traveled to the university to f- to get my admission, my grades, my, I don't know what you call it, yours, your confirmation that you can go into this uni. I traveled alone with my dad and I was so, I was dealing, now I know that it was anxiety, then I didn't know it was that. I was so sick, like mm. I was throwing up. I was, but well, I wasn't physically sick. I was sick on the inside. Like, yeah the reality that I was going down this path that I wasn't supposed to go down. And my dad didn't even speak to me. He didn't acknowledge everything that was going on. He didn't like, he just acted like I wasn't there and I wasn't experiencing. Like if you were with a child, you could see I was very distressed. I couldn't eat. I was, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety, but he didn't say a word to me. And this was a long trip. Like when you travel by car in Nigeria from the North, to the western part of Nigeria you're traveling for like 12 hours
0: yeah wow and he didn't say anything to me ah 12 hours no he didn't say wow because he
1: was just disappointed and I think the fact that I was now struggling with the trauma of everything I think that even annoyed him the more
0: and he didn't like he just didn't say anything to me and that yeah Because as parents too, when we don't know how to manage our emotions, when we see other people showing their emotions actually can be distressing. And sometimes people react by kind of shutting down. Um, Yeah. As you said, behaving as if you're not there, even though you're throwing up, you're showing all these signs that there's something wrong. Yeah, something wrong. Yeah. But how did you feel? I
1: love him so much. He's late now. He passed away in 2015. But he I'm was sorry. not an emotional person. He didn't do emotions. He was mm-hmm. just like a blank. So yeah, so for him, you showing emotion, you're right. I never thought about it like that. But it was probably, he didn't know what to do with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Most of the time when people cannot manage it, they, they just shut down. They, they, they're there, but it's even, it's distressing them. So it can even get them upset. So for to not be upset, they just, you know. They just do that. But how how did that make you feel to see that your dad was disappointed in you? And how, to be honest, it heavy? it's only
1: now that I realized it was trauma. Then, I, mm. then for me, it was just how do I get myself out of this? I wasn't really processing it like, oh, my dad is not responding to me or he's not talking to me. There was no thought of that. It was just how do I do better? How do I make him happy and how do I make him proud of me? So I knew I was going to have to go down this path. But there was nothing I could do.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting what you say because I hear many many Africans say that, and it's a reality for many Africans where they have a set path of what they will become. Mm -hmm. And um, I hope, um, I'm sure you agree with me that I hope that things are changing because when we understand what a child is about, children come to the world with their um characteristics their personality you know and every child is different uh, you're a mom uh, you know that already every child is different and when we have these set paths um, we don't take into account who the person they are and that is clearly what happened for you it's like it's like uh, um telling a fish to climb a tree you know when you're studying chemistry and then it's not your thing and yeah. we do a lot of that yeah forcing people to be things that they are not. Yeah. Um,
1: And the way they did it in my secondary school was if you were really smart, and when I say smart, it just means you're focused on your work and you will get a good grade. You were put in the sciences. If you were average, you were put in the social sciences. And if you were literally failing through school, you went into the arts and, it oh. was so weird. Like, it was such a weird way to do things because yeah. that's not how you analyze a child's ability, you know. So it was, yeah, it was It was just a disaster for me.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. So um, so did you... I can't you really and, hear uh, you. You uh, sound very low. Oh, again. Let me see. It's, it's on... Let me try to get closer. So can you hear me now? Yeah, that's a lot better. If I'm close better. like this. Yeah. Okay. Um. So then did you get, go on to study microbiology or did I you I ended up change? studying
1: zoology so many times. I just wanted to drop out because I tried to change to medicine in the second year. But my um, head of department realized that nobody in that class, obviously who wants to study zoology? No one. And she refused to let anyone do a transfer in second year. Um, but then, but then, um, at some point, my my twin brother left Nigeria for the UK. Like he literally just upped and left. That was that's a story for another day. But what that meant for me was I couldn't, I now couldn't leave. I had to finish my course. Like I kept telling my dad, I don't want to be here. I want to go back to the UK. I want to leave. And he just kept saying don't be like your brother, you need to finish. Cause my brother came to the UK and started all over again. And mm-hmm. I wanted to do the same thing. My dad was like, you're just going to lose so many years, which in hindsight, I think I should have just started all over again. <laughs> but he, he said no. And again, because I didn't want to disappoint him, I finished the course. But for me, looking back, I just, the experience of uni, yeah, that was fine. But the course itself, I just felt like it was an absolute waste of time.
0: Yeah, I can
1: imagine. I didn't use it for anything at all.
0: (laughs) So that that responsibility, that weight you had as the the child who was going to succeed, how did you manage that? It must have been heavy to carry.
1: Yeah, I think he came. it, It it was just a weight I carried all my adult years. Being the first daughter, there's so much expectations. You need to be the responsible one. You have to be, you know, doing what your parents want. So I, 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 you know, I just focused on my work, finished. But as soon as I was done with that course, I didn't even wait. I was out of Nigeria, like immediately. There's something called the youth service. If there's any Nigerians listening, they would know what it is. Um, I didn't do that. Like I didn't, like I wanted, I just wanted out. I wanted to start life on my own terms and do what I wanted to do. I was 23 at the time and I just left the country. <laughs> And I I moved to the, and that was how I moved to the UK. And of course, when I got here, I had to navigate now, who am I? What can I do with my life? And it, it was really hard because I didn't have any direction in terms. I had done this course that I wasn't really sure what I could possibly do with. And then coming to the UK, I realized that education mattered, but not as much as it did in Nigeria. At that age, trying to find a job, all they kept asking you was, "Do you have any experience? How am I going to ne- have an experience when I've never worked?" Yeah. You know, so it was all about working and trying to build an experience and deciding for myself what I was going to do. Um, to cut long story short, I ended up in project management um, business analysis to start with and then project management. And that was how I built a career for myself. I did professional courses. um, yeah. And I ended up, yeah. And I, and I found out that that was something I was really passionate about because I am a people person. I love people. I love talking to people. I love working with people. I'm very good at, um, building relationships with people so that they can do the work that needs to be done. Um, and it's a life skill, really, um, managing projects because it's something that you do all through, you know, in your business, in your day to day life as a parent. And I'm just lucky enough to do it as work.
0: So yeah. So, so uh, you, you that point where you got to the UK and then you're wondering, like, who is Ife? What does Ife like? That's I think that's how sometimes when we come from out of childhood when as you said you were sheltered but you didn't have that space to protect and to express yourself mm-hmm. how did did you realize that that was what was happening and uh how was that for you to personally honest,
1: that was hard that was hard and i would say it took me another at least 10 to 15 years to finally realize who i was it was a very difficult question to answer and looking back on my life, I want to do differently with my children. Like, even now, I'm so excited that my my children are already asking themselves, are talking about what they want to be, what they want to do, you know, thinking about their interests, already talking about setting up businesses and things like that. Those were not things that I processed as a child. You know, I think yeah. that this generation is so different and so much more advanced than we ever were. So it was a very... As much as I asked myself those questions... A lot of the time the realities of life of having to pay bills for myself now having to be an adult was more intense than the opportunity to sit and process because as much as mm-hmm. you want to process all those things you don't have time you need yeah. to go to work you need to mm-hmm. pay the bills and the wheels kept turning so it took me it took me so many many different things happening for me to get to a point where I realized that what I was most good at was building relationships with people. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, the thing that you are called to in this life is something that you've always done. Now, rewind back to secondary school. Girls, I went to an all-girls school, and people had cliques. People had this person that was always their friend from the beginning of school till the end of school for the six years or whatever years they spent in secondary school. I never had that. I was everybody's friend. I know sometimes they say everybody's friend is nobody's friend, but the funny thing was I was, I had a deep close relationship with every group of people that I met such that even when I reconnected with a lot of these people decades later, it was like, it never stopped. Like I could still build authentic, deep relationships with them. And that's because that's who I am. Like I'm called to people. I'm called to connect with people on a deeper level. I'm called to help people discover who they're meant to be. Whereas a lot of people can't do that. People just know how to be a friend to this one person. Mm -hmm. And eventually it came across in my career. It came across in Connecting Stories, which is a platform I created to empower educate and inspire the Black community, especially women, on how to navigate life issues. But even though now it's a platform called Connecting Stories, the truth is I've done that since I was in secondary school. I'd always connected people. I'd always been in groups of people. I'd never been that one person who just had this best friend that I rolled with. It was the same in university, and it followed me all through my life. So I just say this to say, for a lot of us, we spend a lot of time chasing this thing that we're supposed to be when who we are is always who our story had been from the very beginning.
0: Yeah. You're so right. You know, yeah. especially that society doesn't recognize it as a major skill, but actually exactly, your talent was there and obvious to everyone. It's just that nobody was ready to yeah. see because the lens they were using was about, you know, getting you into science. But your talent has always been there and visible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And even for me, like I would never have seen it as anything because like, what does that mean? What does that have to do with anything? How is that going to pay the bills? Yeah. but it does. A lot of the time, the thing that we need to be who we are is right in our hands. It's not this new amazing skill that we need to go and discover and be. It's always been in us. Yeah, Yeah.
0: That's, that's so amazing. Um, yeah, I'm so inspired right now because I came to your podcast and it's true you have this this talent of you create such a safe space and um with you like it was the first time in my life I was sharing my story like speaking about it because I always mention it but like the details of it I I never I never talked about it. I, I have. I had not to that point talked about it. And then I came to your podcast, and something magical happened because I don't know. It was just a magical moment. And then I managed to st- tell you my story. And uh, even I've listened to that podcast episode and other episodes of your wonderful podcast a few times. And uh, I'm just amazed. It, it's really a talent to be able to create that space that welcomes people with all of somebody that's what you do you don't just welcome what can what can the public accept you welcome someone and all of them and it's not easy to to do so thank you thank you please, for saying that <laughs> no it's true please keep on keep on doing what you do so so how how came you then now you do this work where i know you're starting to become a therapist and you're a coach so how did that passion come about? I feel as if this is inis- initially what you should have studied, you know, from the, your story.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, looking back now, I think I should have studied psychology in university and who knows where I'd be by now. But then at the end of the day, I feel like every day our story is still being written. So it's not too late. So i I'm now studying to be a psychotherapist, which has taken me on an, another amazing journey. And I'm, le- I'm learning so much. And I'm enjoying even meeting the people of my course who are all, all training to be psychotherapists as well. My tutor is pretty amazing. But I um, when I started working on Connecting Stories, it was because I was meeting my circle was growing so much and I was meeting so many women. And every woman I meet wants to have a deeper relationship with me in terms of telling them, how they can navigate some of their challenges and also wanting me to just listen to their stories. But you can imagine there's only one me, like it became overwhelming really quickly building all these relationships. And of course I started to offend people because some of those women would want exclusive relationships with me, which is what we do as women. You know, It's like the whole my best friend kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I wasn't called to that. So I decided one day, I just thought, why don't I create a space where women can come together and share their stories? And that's how Connecting Stories was born. Because to my shock, a lot of these women that were telling me these things or trying to build these relationships with me didn't actually have a support system. Mm -hmm. And I can't, for me personally, I honestly cannot imagine my life without the support system of my inner circle of the women who... Encourage me at the times when I have meltdowns, and I'm going through very significant challenges in my life. But there are a lot of women who don't have that, and that was how I created connecting stories. But then the more I talked to these women at this event that I did, I realized that there's a huge gap in the Black community for therapy and counseling because we always think that therapy is for people who have who have gone crazy not realizing that every single one of us needs therapy. Every single one of us has childhood trauma to deal with. We're all going through different things at the different milestones of our life, particularly as women, you know, from when you're single, then you meet this guy, then you get married, then you have children or you don't have children. For some women, you don't even get, you're not married. You know, all those things come with their own different levels of trauma. Then you finally get the children as a whole different kind of trauma attached to that, depending on how your life story pans out. So yeah, that was how I started um, doing that. And that's why now, as much as I'm a coach, I'm a certified coach with the John Maxwell team, I realized that just coaching wasn't enough there was a need to understand because you can motivate someone but not beyond understanding their journey and their story if you've walked through significant trauma it's not as simple as just getting up and saying oh i'm just going to do something different because a motivational speaker spoke to me
0: yeah that was why because we, tr- we because society thinks that oh it happened a long time ago you should just forget it and move on with your life right and what they don't understand that when people live with trauma actually you're stuck in the time when it happened you're here you you look fine but in your mind you're 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 stuck at that moment when you were overwhelmed and um i'm just happy that um uh i'm I'm training to be a a trauma-informed coach so because the need is really big in our community and we need to start talking about our emotions Uh, I wonder in your personal life, how have you navigated talking about emotions with your family and uh, your friends? How has that been? Because, yeah, I see that talking about emotions is complicated.
1: It is. It is. And um, I'm very comfortable talking about emotions. I'm very comfortable being vulnerable with people. Um and have I don't I don't know how to do surface relationships. I don't know how to have small talk. I love to have authentic conversations with people. And somehow it's easy once you once you're open yourself. Because I um I'm always willing to share my own stories and my own weaknesses and challenges. I find that it makes it easier for other people to talk about theirs as well. However, there are still people in my family or my friends who are not comfortable talking about their emotions. And I think that that's just a struggle that we will have for a while in the black community, because we naturally don't do emotions. We naturally don't want anybody to know that things are not the way they seem that underneath the surface, we are struggling, you know, so it's a journey. That's what I'll say. It is a journey, but my, my training as a psychotherapist, I would have to say, has helped me a lot. Um, um, going through counselling as well has helped me a lot because part of my course is that you have to go through that whole mm. process because you can't heal people from a place of hurt yourself.
0: Oh wow! So yeah. you
1: have to unpack all of your own trauma as well in therapy. Um, so yeah. So
0: so you go to therapy and you recommend therapy. Yeah. Yeah, because I also go to therapy <laughs> every Thursday morning. I I log on the uh, platform and I speak to my therapist, and it's uh, wonderful um, because these things, uh, we, as you said at the beginning, we think it's for mad people. It's for, but actually, it's so so useful mm-hmm. to to be able to unpack all these emotions or make sense of our lives. And, yeah. Um, and that's how we will connect to our present and actually live our life today and not be stuck in um, comparison or thinking, oh, this person is doing so well. Why am I struggling? Actually, everybody struggles. <laughs> We're all
1: struggling. <laughs>
0: we are all struggling and trying to make sense of it. So yeah. so how do you take care of yourself? I know you're a busy mom. Okay, no, I have to ask a mom question. So how did motherhood, you know, um, I think motherhood reveals layers of ourselves we didn't know. How did that happen for you?
1: That was quite a journey for me. I had two miscarriages before I had my first child. Oh, sorry. Thanks. And it was was probably the most traumatic thing I've ever walked through because I didn't even understand what was going on. Why was my body failing me? Like, what is this? What is this? Because you're just taught when you're a child, oh, don't sleep with a boy. If you touch a boy, if you let a boy touch you, you'll get pregnant. And then you get married and get pregnant, and then you realize that, oh, it's not as simple. Even the journey of trying to get pregnant is not as simple as as they say. So yeah, so that was how my journey to motherhood started. Then I found out I had fibroids. Then I I was pregnant with my first child. The whole nine months was hell. That's the best way to describe it. I was sick the whole nine months. At first, I was so sick. I was severely ill the first three months and in and out of hospital, and they were like, oh, it's just the morning sickness, you'll be fine. So I kept waiting to get to that three months, and the three months came and passed, and I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Oh my
0: goodness.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so for the whole nine months, at certain times, I was having early contractions, and I think at 24 weeks, the doctor was saying we might have to take her out, and there's no chance of her surviving, and yeah, pregnancy was another level of trauma for me. Mm, yeah. and and my second pregnancy was difficult as well but thank I'm thankful that I have the two kids um eventually had to have fibroid surgery and I remember when I went for the scan the doctor kept asking me how on earth I could have two kids like he, he kept saying are you sure like he's like with the amount of and how massive your fibroids are I don't understand how you could ever have have um birth children so my children are and it makes sense because all through the pregnancies, they kept t- talking about possibly terminating them because I was having contractions too early and things like that. So I know that my children are a miracle.
0: My yeah. heart breaks oh, for every bless. woman
1: who is going through fertility issues and just walking through this journey of of trying to be a mom. So that is yeah. So so that 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 was part of my story as well, and even the experience of trying to raise kids in the UK by yourself. Yes, my mom and my mother-in-law came a few weeks and went back. But that whole process of having no help, having to take your children with you everywhere you went was not my understanding of how it should be because in Africa, you have a whole village that is raising your children for you. So...
0: Yeah. yeah, it's been. I'm in the midst of it. It's tough. I can say that it's tough.
1: <laughs> exactly. You have three children yourself, I have so you know. Three children, yeah, and they're still small. I can lot. say
0: it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Having no support. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely not how I I imagine motherhood. Right uh, yeah. Back home, for example, in my village, when a woman gives birth, she stays in bed um, for one month, so she only showers and feeds the baby, and and then she sleeps, and then people cook. they cook for her family just come and stay with her and cook for her for one month and then after she still gets a lot of help so yeah very different from here (laughs) the day I got out of hospital the the for my first daughter I went to the grocery store you know wow yep okay I was thinking I was superwoman and then I paid um the beer highly later because I um, know (laughs) but you know because I mean if there was someone there I wouldn't have been right yeah so that's, that's the reality of it. But, um, yeah, thank you. But so how do you take care of yourself? So now today, how do you, what, what do you do to take care of yourself emotionally, physically, like, because you, you have busy days, you do a lot. So do you manage to carve out time to take care of yourself?
1: Yeah. I think that self-care is so important. So there's so many things I've tried to put in place, um, to take care of myself. Like, staying off my phone, um, staying away from WhatsApp. WhatsApp is like so stressful for me. It feels like work. Um, having to respond to all these messages and all these groups, trying to just detox myself from social media. It's not easy. It's very difficult, but I try, I go for long walks. One of my favorite things to do is go for long walks. Um, so I try to do that a lot because I'm not, I'm not a big fan of exercising. Um, so, yeah, so I think at the moment, the way, and then I also try to zone out sometimes. Like, even in my house, I zone out from my husband and my children because I'm just like, I can't do this. Like, everyone just needs to sort yourselves out. Yeah. I need to breathe. <laughs> the fridge so, is
0: there. So, yeah,
1: yeah. I have a lot of lines, especially at the weekend because the weeks are so intense. I try not to get out of bed too early. I do my prayers and I go back to sleep. And sometimes I just stay in bed, watch TV, and just zone out. I think it's really important.
0: Um, yeah.
1: When the lockdown is lifted, I would like to go on a lot of more spas and holidays by myself. Um, mm. Even if it's just a, a staycation for a couple of days by myself, it's it's not something I've done before, but I would I, I really, really want to do that. I think it's really important to go on retreat. I've gone for retreats with other women.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: really good. But because I'm usually the one organizing it, it ends up being work for me. Yeah,
0: so yeah, I look
1: forward to when the lockdown is lifted and I can just go away by myself.
0: Oh well, I hadn't thought of that. You're inspiring me now. Even like a one yeah. day, you know, where you stay in a hotel and then yeah. spend the night and come back the next yeah, day, that, just by
1: yourself. Just and then, you yeah, just, have just to, that you know, mental space, huh? Mental space, and then tell yeah. the husband, you know, please watch the kids.
0: I will be back. Yeah. And you feel so much yeah. better for it. Yeah. When you come back, you come back smiling, not tired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any last words before we wrap up, Ify, my dear? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'll just
1: say to anyone listening, if you are still trying to discover yourself, just spend some time going back into your childhood and thinking about who you were and the things that made you Tick, if you like and you realize that that thing that you've been pursuing is not this massive amazing thing sometimes it's just who you've always been and you just need to reconnect with that inner child um and birth who you're supposed to be Wow!
0: Well, thank you amazing i it resonates a lot um i was talking to a friend yesterday and uh, i was saying i'm an introvert and then as we talked and then I told her that when I in my, when I was really little, I was very uh, outgoing, very loud child, you know, insulting all the kids in the neighborhood. Okay. They also insulted me back, Mm -hmm. but like that kind of child, you know, running around with other kids, not introverted. And then, and then I realized just in that moment that it's life that made me an introvert and I was not actually an introvert from the start. So it's, also yeah reconnecting and seeing going back to the journey and seeing the person we were before all these things happened and then bringing that person back um yeah to, yeah and uh, that's that's the that's the essence of this podcast overcoming your story to find your true self yeah. so thank you so much my dear Ify. thank you for having me this was really good i enjoyed I enjoyed having this conversation with you and so where can our listeners find you
1: um, on my podcast, Connecting Stories podcast, it's on Apple, Spotify, and Google. You can also find me on Instagram at Connecting Stories. Um, I'm always on Instagram. So on a Clubhouse. Uh, my name is Ify Bami So yeah, I'd love to connect with your listeners.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. Bye.